Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. It's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. As we reflect on the season, what does success look like if you took wins and losses and you put that to the side for a second? I did that, and it was really about the foundation that we built this year. Gordon with the pick. I know that we're in a healthier situation now than we were before, and we're excited about where we're going. Now, it's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Here's Kevin Powell. Now joining me once again on the WGN Radio Football Podcast, Herb Howard. He covers the Bears for the Bigs Media. Herb, always appreciate you jumping on. Herb's been on plenty. Herb, tell people about the Bigs Media. If they're not, uh, if they don't know all about it, it's... New-ish, I guess. You guys have been around for seven, eight years, I want to say. tell If, if people want to you know, hear more from Herb Howard or read your stuff or whatever it might be, uh, tell people what the Bigs is all about. No, no doubt. First of all, thanks for having me on, KP. Always a pleasure to hang out with you, man. But yeah, the Bigs was founded in, uh, I want to say, 2015 uh, by Eugene McIntosh and Terrence Tomlin. They both cover uh, the White Sox and the Cubs, respectively. Uh, they've been... You know, putting in a lot of work. They've done a lot of great things, and they continue just to grow the team. And, you know, shout-out to uh, Josh Hicks and Drew Stevens. They do great covers for the Bulls. Jada McIntosh covers the Sky. And, of course, I cover the Bears. So we just try to, you know, uh, have all the angles covered here in the city and try to bring a, a fresh perspective to Chicago sports media. And so far, uh, the reception has, has been great. So we, we appreciate the support. If you want to continue to support us, you can follow us on Twitter, at It's the Bigs. You can read uh, our latest content at TheBigs.us. Check it out if you want more from Herb and Terrence, Eugene, all those guys. They do a great job covering the entire Chicago sports scene. All right, Herb, uh, five days from today will be the first practice of training camp. Mini camp wrapped up last week, full attendance. Not everybody was participating. Chase Claypool dealing with some stuff. I'll, I'll ask you about him in just a bit. Let's start with QB1, though. Um and I think you and I have talked about this before. I don't think it's an overreaction from reporters from simply evaluating a quarterback, even if it is a minicamp, whether it's good or bad. It is what it is, right? You're seeing with your own eyes what the guy is doing in practice. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes people roll their eyes. It's like, ah, oh, it's minicamp. It's like, okay, well, it's still happening. I mean, the reporters are there. Of course they're going to tell you what they're seeing. So what did you see from Justin Fields through OTAs and then through minicamp as well? Yeah, what I, what I saw is a, is, a, is a guy who looks a lot more comfortable in the system. His second year in the system, he's not learning a new system like he has been doing previously, maybe for the last four years or so with him uh, going back to college. And so he just looks like he's a little bit more comfortable, seems like a bit more of a coach on the field in terms of getting guys lined up, making sure guys are in the, spot, in the right spot, uh, answering their question in great detail. And so uh, he certainly seems to be more comfortable. There is still a lot uh, of work to do, a lot more room to grow in terms of getting the ball out on time, uh, getting to the top of your drive, taking one hitch and getting the ball out. Sometimes you still see him kind of patting the ball and trying to, you know, find guys later on the read. And I think hopefully that'll be um, minimized once you get your full allotment of receivers out on the field. Like you said, Chase Clay wasn't there. Donnell Mooney isn't back from his injury that he suffered the last season. So ideally, once those two guys are back on the field with DJ Moore, whom Justin has quickly developed uh, a great rapport with, 
then hopefully he'll be able to get the ball out a little bit faster. So, so still some room for growth, no doubt about it, but he does look a lot more comfortable uh, in year two of the system. And, and it feels like a crucial year. It is a crucial year. Going into year three, second year with the same offensive coordinator should feel a lot more comfortable going into his third year, especially not having to learn an entire New offense. And credit to Ryan Poles. Is this a complete roster? Far from it. But what have we been asking for over the past year? Put pieces around Justin Fields. Look, he had a Chase Claypool. Uh, he had a DJ Moore in the trade. I feel really good about the running back room right now. There's a lot of depth there. And do I feel entirely comfortable about the offensive line? Not just yet, but heard this time last year. I mean, it was like two starters on that offensive line. We were all waiting for them to add veterans, which they eventually did in Schofield and Riley Reef and, and some other guys. But as of now, and look, we all think, you know, we hear competition is a good thing. Sure, it is. But if you have competition all over the place, that probably means you're lacking depth. You know, it probably means you have a lot of guys that are second tier or maybe new or veteran journeymen. Right now, where it stands, Herb, and again, not entirely comfortable with it just yet, but you're starting five. The offensive line is set. Braxton Jones at left tackle, Tevin at left guard, Cody Whitehair at center, Nate, Nate Davis at right guard, and Darnell Wright at right tackle. I feel so much better about the offensive line now compared to this time last year. No, you're 100% correct. They have, they have found themselves an NFL offensive line. Last year, certainly at this time, you could not say that about this Bears roster. And so, uh, obviously, there's still some, like you said, there's some depth concerns and things like that. But to have a solid five going into training camp, whereas almost coming out of training camp, they still hadn't found their five last year. And so they're, they're in a much, much better spot. Uh, health is going to be a key to this offensive line. Can those five guys stay healthy? How many starts can you get out of that particular combination? Obviously, there are going to be some injuries. You know, that's the nature of the NFL. But how many starts can you get? from that group of five guys, and I think if they're able to play uh, the vast majority of the snaps together, they should be able to come together, they should be able to jail, and, and they should be able to uh, provide Justin Fields with some pretty good protection and continue to open up running lanes for those running backs that you spoke of. And so, yeah, they're, they're in a much, much better spot than they were last year. And, and you need depth, obviously, at offensive line. Um, and, you know, I look at the depth behind the starting five. It's like, okay, Larry Borum, probably your swing tackle. And then Lucas Patrick, who was signed to be a starter last year, and he didn't perform very well. Uh, and then injuries, of course, derailed his season. But, but I feel pretty good about Lucas Patrick if you need to plug him in at one of the guard spots. And obviously, if Cody Whitehair suffers an injury, you can pop Lucas Patrick in there. Maybe we see another addition uh, at the tackle spot, whether it's a veteran. I don't know if there's any names you're thinking of out there. Um, and look, how, how many teams are going to go through an entire season with the starting five, right? Somebody's going to go down at right. some point, so you need that depth. Right. But like they have, I think Patrick and Borum are kind of your two swing guys right now. I don't think, I don't think they're in a desperate spot. Nothing like they were last year. No, that's what it looks like. I mean, both of those guys have experience as starters in this league, and so you, you know, it's not, it's not the worst situation to be in. But again, you go back to the tape last year. I don't know how comfortable you feel about the performances that you got from those two guys. And so, uh, ideally, you want Darnell Wright um, and Braxton Jones to take uh, all the snaps at tackle. You want, you know, Cody Whitehair, Nate Davis, and, and um, uh, Tevin Jenkins to take the snaps on the interior. So, uh, but if you do have to go to guys, you, again, you have some veteran guys that have have a lot of snaps as starters in this league. And so, it's not a terrible position to be in. You also still got Alex Leatherwood. I don't know about you, KP. I, I'm, I'm just struggling to think that this kid who won the Outland Trophy as the best offensive lineman in college with a first-round pick, 
just forgot how to play football. I, I, that's it's it's an interesting situation to me, and I, I don't know. Hopefully, that maybe in year two. Uh, he'll be a little bit more settled in mentally, emotionally, and that'll allow him to, to find his best version of himself as a football player because if he's able to um, kind of get it all back, he's a first-round talent that could potentially factor into that swing tackle conversation. I mean, you summed it up because that was my next question for you, Herb. If you think, if you think Alex Leatherwood is going to make this team, he was drafted in the first round two years ago. Two years yeah, ago, it was yeah. 2021. This is a first-round pick from the Raiders who, who were ready to move on after one year, and it made a ton of sense at the time for the Bears to pick him up, especially with all the needs mm-hmm. they had on the offensive line. And I agree, like what you said, if Alex Leatherwood can live up to that potential or even close to it, maybe not an everyday starter, right. but that's a reliable swing guy on uh, at both tackles, I would think, and maybe even at guard. So I think that's one player that – a lot of us will be watching closely in training camp when it gets going in a little over a month here because mm-hmm. I, I think if they mm-hmm. can if they can tap that potential, you feel pretty good about the offensive line going into the season. So uh, I'm with you on Alex Leatherwood. Are you concerned about Chase Claypool? I'll just leave it at that. Your your thoughts on where Claypool is at, or were some overreacting to him sitting out for much of OTAs and minicamp? I think that's a legitimate concern. I understand that, you know, when people say oh, it's an overreaction, but at the same time, you know, this is the time of the year where people are putting out stories. You've got to find some, some content and some news, and people want to be told about what's going on out there. And then when you say something they don't want to hear, it's like, oh, don't tell me that much. Like, do you want me to tell you or you don't want me to tell you? Like, uh, so it, 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 it's a little bit of both, but um, hopefully when, when training camp rolls around, He's in a position to be out there, be able to get out there on the field. We've heard Coach Eberflus talk about him dealing with these soft tissue issues, and at one point he said it was multiple things that he was dealing with. And so that's never anything that you want to hear, especially considering how important of a piece he is for this offense. If he is able to step up and be, you know, one of those top two or three receivers um, and be productive for you, he provides an element of his offense that they don't necessarily have outside of him in terms of his size and his ability to do things. Um, EQ has some of that size, but not the size that Chase Claypool has. And so if you can get him to be the best version of himself, and he's opposite DJ Moore, and you got Darnell Mooney in the slot, that could be a really, really formidable group of wide receivers. And so you need him on the field. But not just, you know, week two, week three, getting into the season, kind of getting rolling, and then get off to a slow start. You want him at camp. You want him to get that chemistry with Justin Fields. Justin said that he was – developing that chemistry with Chase Claypool. He had been out there earlier. He felt like uh, Chase Claypool was a lot more comfortable with his role on the team and being here this year than he was last year. And so you got to get him on the field. And then that timing, not only with him and Justin, but the timing with him running routes off of DJ Moore and, and Mooney and Cole Komet and Tony and all those guys, you need to see him on the field sooner than later. So I, I would say a uh, moderate level of concern right now. Uh, training camp comes around, he's still not able to get out there, then it becomes much higher. Yeah, and I think frustrations for fans because last year, and look, if we can go back to that trade, and I still mm-hmm. think Ryan Poles makes it because, look, what were we all saying? The Bears are desperate to add pieces around Justin Fields, and Ryan Poles found a way to add something to the offense in really a, a rebuilding, stripped-down year to give Justin Fields something to work with. Yes, it was a steep price. It was a second-rounder, all of that. But everyone's like, help the guy out. Help out Justin right. Fields. He's your future. Then Ryan Poles is like, okay, here's Chase Claypool. And mm-hmm. look, it didn't work out. It's difficult to get entirely acclimated with an offense in the middle of the season. And then he had injuries yeah. on top of that. 
And he showed a lot of frustration on the sidelines at times, too, last year. So, And then there was stuff with, with Claypool and Pittsburgh and locker room stuff and all of that. But I would say give it time. Let's see how things play out in training camp. They say he should be good to go by camp. That will be a good, long look at where Chase Claypool is at with with Justin Fields. Now, Darnell Mooney, just an injury thing. Let's hope he gets back to full strength. Because if Claypool doesn't work out and Mooney doesn't get back to his full self, then you're kind of back to where you were last year, right, with one receiver and D.J. Moore. Yeah. Now, D.J. Moore is a stud, and I think we're all expecting a lot of big things. I, for me, Herb, I want to see Tyler Scott. I want to see Valus Jones Jr. I want to see those guys mm-hmm. get involved. Those are slot guys, big play-type guys, downfield guys. Uh, Jones entering year two. Scott, obviously a rookie. Other than the three that we keep talking about, Moore, Mooney, Claypool, let's see Tyler Scott get involved. Let's see Valus Jones Jr. get involved. I would yeah. love to see those because elite offenses have weapons upon weapons upon weapons. No doubt. You look at you know what the Rams have done. You know, not even for the past several years, and they've got three guys or four guys that will come over here and be instant number ones before this season. So you do need a lot of guys, and I think you look at. Only having DJ Moore out there right now as a top tier guy, that's not enough, right? You brought him over here to be a multiplier. He can only do that if he's got other guys with top end talent on the field with him. Otherwise, you just kind of double team him, you cloud him, you kind of take him away in that way because you aren't really concerned about the other guys on the field. And that's no disrespect to those guys, but once you have Darnell Mooney and you have Chess Claypool performing at a high level, then that allows DJ Moore to really be the multiplier that you brought him in here to be. So you need all those guys on the field. Talk about those young guys getting those opportunities. They have been able to get a lot of those opportunities with uh, Darnell Mooney and Chess Claypool out right now. So you see Tyler Scott, Bayless Jones getting a lot more reps than perhaps they would be getting, and that should serve them well even when those guys come back. Just having that experience, having those uh, reps in practice, having that time with Justin Fields, and so uh, hopefully you get the full complement of guys back, but you've also had some time to develop these younger guys, get some packages that you feel good about them in. That's another group you talk about the wide receivers that was in a completely different position coming into camp last year. Mm-hmm. You came into camp last year, and they had 12, 14 guys out there, and you couldn't find six of them. You, like, you still look around like, do they have six receivers? Now you're coming into camp, and you pretty much figure you know who the six guys are going to be. I mean, we talk about the top three, and then you get to uh, EQ, and Bayless and Tyler Scott just being with his with his uh, draft position, and then you also have Dante Pettis that will factor into that conversation. So right now, as my math sees it, you got seven guys looking at these six spots, as opposed to last year where you had uh, two dozen guys who still couldn't fill the six spots. So uh, another another position that that vastly improved that should benefit from having a bit more of a solidified rotation coming into camp. You feel good about the tight ends, Cole Komet, Robert Tanyan, I think will add a lot to the offense as well. And look, mm-hmm. and real one other quick note when it comes to the receivers, Fields throws a great deep ball. You know, they've got to create more opportunities for Justin to air it out and get the ball down the field. Big explosive plays. I think Fields is is a good deep ball thrower, and guys like Scott and Valus Jones factor into that. When you look at running backs, I don't really look at it so much as a competition, Herb, just because, as we know, running backs can get plugged in situationally, whether you're a good pass blocker or whatever it might be. I really like the way the the running back spot is looking. And do you think I'm crazy to think that Roshan Johnson at the end of the year has the most carries out of those top three guys? Because I think there's a real chance that – He's the guy they're feeding most midway through the season after he gets some reps. What do you think? Listen, I, I think that I think that you are in with a lot of people that I'm hearing right now. <laughs> I, listen, I want I want Roshan to be 
the next great Bears back, right? I wanted you to talk about Gail Sayers and Walker Payton and Matt Forte and Neil Anderson. I want Roshan to be the next guy. I just don't know where all these expectations are coming from. I, I, I don't know who's seen him do these things that everybody's saying he can do. He played behind the best running back in the country. He got limited opportunities. There were some things to like about what you saw. I'm not saying I don't like him as a prospect, but the expectations that are through the roof about him right now, I, I don't, I'm not arguing against him. I just don't know where they're coming from. I don't know who's seen him do these things. And so, um, listen, I, I think that it's a, it's a good room. It's got a lot of versatility. Got a lot of guys that do a lot of different things well, and so it'll create an opportunity where the Bears will be able to ride the hot hand, or they'll be able to pick and choose based on what this week's game plan is, or who's playing well at the time. Uh, injuries will probably factor in at some point for running back, because it's kind of the nature of the position. And so I think they they got they, they put themselves in a really really good position to have a lot of guys that can contribute. And if one of them does kind of grab the thing by the horns and takes it, then that's fine. If that if that's Roshan, if it's Khalil, or if it's Dante Foreman. Whoever it is, that's fine. But if it doesn't happen that way, I still think they're in a really good position with a lot of with a good group of guys that can be able to contribute in a lot of different ways. Fair enough. Over to the defensive side of the ball, Herb. Feel good about the secondary. Doesn't really look like there's a ton of competition. Tyreek Stevenson, it sounds like he's pretty much that that starting corner spot opposite of Jalen Johnson, yeah. his spot to lose. And then the safeties, of course, Jaquan Brisker, Eddie Jackson recovering from that injury. Um, and then you hope Kyler Gordon can handle the slot, the nickel spot, whatever you want to call it. Um, feel pretty good about that. Feel pretty good about the linebackers, obviously, with some big additions there. Defensive line, though. Uh, that's an area that's uh, just, you know, and look, if these two rookies and Pickens and Dexter can make some big strides and wreak some havoc up front, it looks a whole lot different. I fully anticipate, though, they're going to add a, a pass rusher at some point leading up to the camp or even during camp. Yeah, you, you would like to think that they're going to add somebody to kind of help with this pass rush as it stands right now. There's nobody that you can honestly look at and say that guy keeps offensive coordinators up at night. That's the guy you got to double team every snap where he's going to wreck your offensive game plan. You just don't see that. Now you hope that some of these guys are, are able to take another step. You hope that Trevor Gibson can take the step that you kind of thought he would take last year, and for whatever reason it didn't happen. You bring in Demarcus Walker, and you know all the signs are good for him in terms of what his teammates are saying about him, things that he's saying about himself. He had a career year last year, but that career year is what seven, seven and a half sacks. And so again, you're hoping that these guys can take another step forward and continue to develop guys like Dominique Robinson. You brought in Rashane Green as well. Ultimately, I think you're looking at a situation where you're going to have to hope that they can be better than the sum of their parts. I don't know that you can just look at it on paper and say, oh, I feel really, really good about this. But perhaps if they're able to be stout on the interior, talk about Justin Jones being there, you brought in Billings, I think that's a really, really good underrated signing. And if you can get some production, some contributions from these two big athletic defensive tackles, and you may be able to dent the pocket. As we keep hearing the coaches talk about denting the pocket from the middle, that will kind of make short corners for those ends. And so hopefully, as a collective, they can be better than maybe they look on paper. But also, you talked about the, the, the back end and that, that secondary. I think they'll factor into this conversation as well. They may be able to hold up just for an extra half a second and allow guys to get home uh, with, with just a little bit more time. And so I think it'll all kind of work together. they got some athletic linebackers that they should be able to you know, bring on some blitzes, some timely pressures. You can do the same thing with Kyler Gordon, but uh, certainly would surprise me to see if they brought somebody in before the season comes around. But it also wouldn't absolutely surprise me if they kind of stood pat. I think that Ryan Poles has shown himself to be uh, very disciplined in terms of sticking to his plan. And so I think ideally he probably would like to bring somebody in, but only at his number. And if he can't get him at his number, I don't think he'll get him at all. He'll go into the season 
uh, with what he has. I think he knew coming into this offseason that he was not going to be able to fill every single hole that the Bears had. I think he's done a pretty good job of filling most of them, but they weren't one offseason away from winning the Super Bowl, and they aren't one pass rusher away from winning it now. For sure, and I don't see him overextending at all for a free agent. I think there's there's probably somebody out there that can help, but <clears throat> excuse me, I don't see him overextending and really opening up the bank for a for a pass rusher at this point in time. And let's remember about Dominique Robinson when he was drafted fifth round. We always knew what it was going to be a project, and that's not a knock sure. on him. The dude started as a quarterback in college, then moved to receiver, right. and then finished right. his career as a defensive end. And look, the first game of the year, what, a sack and a half, or was it two sacks against Houston, and then kind of disappeared the rest of the season. Let's give the guy some time. He's 24. We knew he was a project. Mm -hmm. And let's hope the coaching staff can tap into some of that that raw skill set that Dominique Robinson has. That could be a real nice find, but... You know, let's not get upset with the guy for not uh, producing a ton of sacks in his first year when we knew exactly what he was, which was a project after beginning his career uh, as a as a quarterback. Uh, who's gonna? Who's Katie, gonna make... Let me throw a couple other names in there. Yeah, real go ahead. On this defense conversation, DeAnthony Jones um, has really caught my eye so far. Uh, you talk about mini camp and OTAs, and I know that the pads aren't on, and you got to see it when the pads do come on. But he has rare movement skills. You see him going through the bag, his ability to slip his hips. His ability, his ability to pivot and change direction and his bend around the corner. He's got rare, rare movement skills, and I think that if those things are able to translate once the pass come on, he's somebody that could crack this rotation and ultimately be a contributor on that front as well. And then you brought in a guy like um, uh, Terrell Lewis, and I think that he is another guy, first-round talent, Alabama guy, has had some injuries. Hopefully he's healthy now. He's also flashed a couple of times during practice. We saw him make a couple of nice pass rush moves against Darnell Wright. Um, last week, and so if he's a guy that can also kind of find the best version of himself and be healthy, you got another couple of guys who could factor into this conversation and ultimately uh, be contributors on that defensive front. So that's a couple of names that we should keep eyes on as we go into training camp. Herb's guys to keep an eye on. We'll be watching them. And Terrell Lewis, the type of guy that Matt Eberflus looks for, right? And Tremaine Edmonds, Lewis, six mm-hmm. five, mm-hmm. like two sixty. Those long arms, lean yeah. is what yeah. Matt Eberflus always kind of stress about players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. All right, last question, special teams related. Week one, who's returning punts? Who's returning kicks? I'll start with kicks first. I think that's an easier conversation. I think Valus Jones will be back there returning kicks. Um, like I said, I think we've got seven wide receivers that are kind of competing for those six spots, and I think that the only way that Dante Pettis, in my opinion, beats out Valus Jones, unless they do decide to keep seven, um, is if, if Bayless Jones has a poor showing during the preseason. If he's a muffing punt, if he's dropping passes, those types of things will open up the door for Dante Pettis because I do think Dante Pettis is more of a natural punt catcher. Bayless kind of struggles to track it and catch it sometimes, but if he can um, reassure Coach Hightower and the rest of that coaching staff with his ability to return punts, or if they can find somebody else that they like to do it, a Tyler Scott maybe, or some of these other guys that, that, that they feel comfortable being able to do it, then I think that would be fine. But I would, if I had to bet on it right now, I would say Bayless Jones starts at kick returner and punt returner so long as he has uh, a productive preseason. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that he does that. All right, five weeks to go until training camp. That's Herb Howard covering the Bears for the Bigs Media. Herb, any other final thoughts on Bears? We've got a long way to go until camp. Uh, any other observations or anything you picked up on during uh, OTAs or minicamp? No, I think this is it's a good time for optimism, right? I think, you know, this is the, this is the season to be obviously the time of the year 
to be optimistic. I would say cautiously optimistic. There's legitimate reasons for some of that optimism. You talk about the top end talent they have. This is an NFL roster now, right? Maybe not elite level, but last year, I don't know that you can honestly say that about what they have on paper. So this year you can. You still got to sit on the field. And so the pads will be coming on in training camp. We'll see what they look like. They're going to go to Indianapolis, have those joint practices with the Colts, and then a preseason game with them as well. That'll be an opportunity to look at those two defensive tackles against a guy like Clinton Nelson as well. And so I think all of those things, Will, will, will help the Bears as they, as they get ready to go into the regular season. I would say legitimate reason for optimism, but but they still got to prove it. So we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. I'm excited. That's Herb Howard. Follow him on Twitter at HerbHoward411. Herb, always appreciate you jumping on the podcast. Thanks for the time. My pleasure, KP. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening. That was Episode 66 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast.